Galatians chapter 2 and verse uh, number 20. Galatians 2.20 says, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. May we pray. Lord, I thank you for the word of God. I thank you for another privilege to preach your word and how I need your help. And I pray you would empower me. Lord, give me wisdom. And may I be a vessel that you would fill and use. Help me to communicate the message in a way that will honor you, a way to please you, and the needs of hearts will be met today in Christ's name. Amen. Well, in this verse, we have uh, death and resurrection. It says, I am crucified with Christ. People that were crucified didn't live, of course, except one. That was Christ. But he said, nevertheless, I live. So there's a resurrection. Uh, but he said, it's not I, but Christ liveth in me. Uh, I want to uh, bring a message on the phrase, there are not I, but Christ. I remember years ago we had, when I was pastor in Maiden, where I preached the homecoming last Sunday, uh, that uh, we had some truckers get saved, and they began to talk to their other buddies, and and try to win them to Christ. And uh, they asked me if I'd go see one of their, one of their fellow truckers, and, and I said I would. So I went to his house and witnessed to him about the Lord, and he said, I can't get saved now. I said, why? He said, uh, he said I can't live it. He said, I've been trying for two or three weeks, and, and, and I can't live it. He said, now these other fellows said they're different. I knew them before, I know them now. And they are different. Something's happened in their life. Uh, and I'm not going to be a hypocrite. When I get to life, I think I can live it, then I'll get saved. And I gave him this verse in Galatians 2.20, I'm crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. The life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me, gave himself for me. I explained to him, I said, the reason they can live right is because they have Christ in them reason you can't live right, you don't have Christ. You're trying to get the cart before the horse, and, and I explained to him the way of salvation. He accepted the Lord, and his life changed. That that was impossible before had now become possible. So that's the starting point. That's where you begin. You begin with salvation. You begin with receiving Christ. Then your life is different. Because you have a power within yourself that gives you the strength to live for Christ. Now in the New Testament, Jesus is found in the four Gospels 612 times. The name Jesus is found 612 times. Jesus means Savior, corresponds to the Old Testament word Joshua. And Christ in the four Gospels is found 56 times. Jesus, 612 times. Christ, 56 times. In the rest of the New Testament, Jesus is found 71 times. And Christ is found 256 times. So we have Jesus as Savior prominent in the Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. 
in the rest of the New Testament, Acts through Revelation, we have the name Christ. Of course, He is Lord Jesus Christ. Lord denotes His deity. He's God. And there's a big discussion about that in some circles. Who was Jesus Christ anyway? Was He God? Very God? Less than God? Or not God at all? The fact of the matter is He was God or we're wasting our time today and might as well go home and never come back. He is Lord. He is the Lord Jesus Christ. He, the Bible says, in Him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. He claimed to be the Father. He said, He that has seen me has seen the Father. I and my Father are one. And so he, he is God. He is Jesus. He is Savior. He is Christ indicates He is the anointed one. He is the Messiah. He is the only God-man that's ever walked this earth. He is the anointed one. And uh, He was uh, indwelt in by the Spirit of God and, and uh, the, the fullness of the Godhead dwelled in Him. So it's the official title of the Son of God. It speaks of His office. And, and His power there as well. His power to have authority in our life. And when we come to Christ, we not only get a Savior, but we get a Lord and we get a Christ. God hath made that same Jesus, that says, whom ye have crucified, both Lord and Christ. Both God and uh, Messiah. Now, in 1 Corinthians 3.23, and you're Christ, and Christ is God's. 1 Corinthians 6.15, their bodies are the members of Christ. 1 Corinthians 11.3, the head of every man is Christ. 1 Corinthians 12.27, now you're the body of Christ, and members in particular. Now, I'm sure you looked up all those verses, didn't you? Uh, in 1 Corinthians 8, 12, when you sin against the brethren, you sin against Christ. Here we just have some, some scriptures that, uh, that relate to uh, this title of Him being Christ. And that we are, our bodies are the members of Christ and the head of, of every man is Christ. Again, it speaks of His office. It speaks of His authority over us. And uh, he says, it's not I, but Christ that lives in me. You know, before you get saved, who is in control? The old Adamic nature. The old Adam is in control. The old man of sin. And I think the, the greatest definition I've ever heard of a sinner is someone that can't quit sinning. Uh, a person that is, you know, sometimes say, I can't understand why that drunkard just don't quit. They can't. The old man's, Adam's in control. The old man of sin. Uh, but when you get saved, the life changes because Christ is in control, see. It's not I, he says, that lives, but it's Christ that lives in me. It's Christ living, he's in control. He's running the show. It's not I, but Christ. Now, uh, some things about this truth. First of all, we must recognize it to be saved. Must recognize this truth to be saved. Romans 1, 16, 
Paul said, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Then in 1 Corinthians 15, we'll just turn there and look at that one. 1 Corinthians 15, that's page 1225. 1225, 1 Corinthians 15 and verse... Uh, well, I was going to read verse 3 and 4. Let me begin verse 1. 1 Corinthians 15, 12, 25, verse 1. Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel, which I preached unto you, which also ye have received, and wherein ye stand, by which also ye are saved. If ye keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless ye have believed in vain, for I deliver unto you first of all that which I also received, how that Christ, died for our sins according to the Scriptures, that He was buried, and that He rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. Now, He defines the gospel in these verses, the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. And Paul said in Romans, it's the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth. Now, in order to be saved, a person must acknowledge that and recognize that. A person can pray till they're blue in the face, but if they do not trust Christ, they don't get saved. A person can come to this church or some other church and never miss a service ever for anything. Read the Bible every day and pray every day. Give, give, or give all of their goods to, to good causes. Give every penny they ever have to, away and still miss heaven if they're not trusting Christ. It is Christ that is, it brings salvation. It is faith in Him. And, and thank God for that because it makes it possible. If it was not for that, uh, salvation would be out of reach of all of us. Nobody in this building today is good enough to go to heaven. And everybody is bad enough to go to hell. But thank God we have a Savior. And Jesus Christ is that Savior. Romans 5, 6, For when we were yet without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. Romans 5, 8, But God commendeth His love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. It's not me who died, it's He who died. And if I did die, He would not pay for my sin. The Bible talks about the second death in the lake of fire in the book of Revelation. So salvation is through the grace of God. The Bible says in Romans 10, 4, that Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believeth. And again in Galatians 2, 20, I am crucified with Christ. Ephesians 2, 5, even when we were dead in sins, has quickened us together with Christ. And Ephesians 4, 32, God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. So salvation is through Him. It's not I, but Christ. It's not me that, that, that uh, guarantees me a right to heaven, but it's Him. It's not my goodness that's going to get me there. It's His goodness. Not my sacrifice, not my death, His death, His sacrifice. That's the hope that we have today. And if a person does not recognize that, they'll never be saved. Listen, I believe there are churches today that are filled with people that are dependent on something other than Christ to get them to heaven. And they're going to miss heaven. And to me, that is the saddest thing of all 
You know, to, to be lost, to know you're lost, to know when you die you're going to hell is one thing. But to sit on a church pew and think that, I, that I'm going to heaven and then die and live for eyes in hell is the tragedy of all tragedies. And yet the Bible teaches there'll be more religious people lost and what will be saved. Jesus had the strongest words when he preached to the religious crowd that was pretending and displaying the religious game than he did to the drunkards and the adulterers. He called them vipers. And uh, how he said, oh, generation of vipers, how can you escape the damnation of hell? And so uh, those that are trusting in their own goodness and their church membership, their own good deeds to get them to heaven are going to be sadly disappointed. They'll come up short. How can one read Galatians uh, 3.10 and James 2.10 and believe that a person can go to heaven by their own efforts? Galatians 2.10 Cursed is everyone, or 310, cursed is everyone that continue not in all things which are written in the book of the law to do them. Can anyone claim to measure up to that demand? I don't think so. James 2.10, For whosoever shall keep the whole law and yet offend at one point, he is guilty of all. One point. One. Not a thousand no, well, I try to do right and, and I try to do, live a good life. And I talked to an individual this week and they said, I'm trying to do the best I can. That's not enough. Not according to the, my Bible. That's not enough. And I went on to explain and tried to explain that it's, it's not doing the best you can. It's trusting Christ. It's not, it's not me, it's Jesus. Listen, if I'm wrong and they're right, I don't have one hope of making it. None. Zero. If you, if you get there by, by, by living good, I have no chance at all, none. And I've never met anyone else that had any chance of going. Because I've never met anybody, even, I've never met anybody but what will acknowledge. Well, I did meet one preacher one time, and, and he said he hadn't sinned in 20 some years. Then he backed up. I questioned him a little bit about it, and he, he, he said, Well, I haven't willfully sinned. Did acknowledge that he had, he maybe had sinned uh, uh, unwillfully. I didn't believe that either. But uh, the fact is that, that everybody I've ever talked to, maybe with the exception of that one individual, will admit they've not been perfect. Will admit that they have at least committed one sin in their life. And I, I'm sure all of us here today would admit that we've committed quite a few more than one. Right? If you keep the whole law and offend in one point, 
Cursed is everyone that continue not in all things, all things which are written in the book of the law to do them. Read the law. There's only one man ever walked this earth that met that demand, and his name is Jesus Christ. And God's willing to take all my sin and all your sin and credit it to his account and take all of his goodness and his righteousness and put it on our account. And we call that getting saved. <laughs> and you can't get saved unless you believe that. It's not what you do to get you to heaven. It's what you believe. That's hard for us to comprehend, but it's a biblical truth. That if I shall confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shall believe, shall believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Acts 16 says, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. What does that word believe mean? It means to trust, to depend on, to rely upon. That I'm depending on him and relying on him for heaven. And nothing else. Nothing else. People say, well, you visit the sick and visit the rest homes and visit the hospitals and, and try to live right and ought to do that. But I'm not doing any of that, none of it, to get me to heaven. When I stand before the Lord, I'm not going to be able to say, Lord, now you know, you know how many visits I made, and you know this, you know that. Listen, I'm not going to do any of that. I'm going to, my testimony is going to, Revelation says, unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. Amen. That's what we're going to do. <laughs> we're going to say, I'm here because of him. That's why I'm here. And anybody that gets there, that'll be their testimony. It's not I but Christ. We recognize it for salvation. We must recognize it to enjoy security. Turn to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. We recognize it to enjoy security. I believe in eternal security. I believe when God saves you, He saves you forever. And the only reason I believe that is because my salvation is in Christ. <laughs> my salvation don't depend upon my goodness. It depends on Him. If it depends on me, I may be saved part of the time, part of the time I'm not saved. <laughs> if, it's, if it's dependent on me, it don't, it's not dependent on me. It's dependent on Him. Romans 8, verse 33. Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifieth. Who is he that condemneth? It's Christ that died. Yea, rather that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? As it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded 
that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Yeah, we're secure in Him. <laughs> and uh, He makes a whole long list of things. None of these things can separate us from the love of God. I was, I was reading, I was thinking about Mac Hodge. He was talking about preaching in this, uh, in this place and, and uh, said uh, he was preaching pretty hard and there's, uh, uh, you know, some uh, bootleggers in that, in that place and, and uh, they, uh, uh, they slashed his tires one night and, and uh, for they did that, they took the uh, distributor count and and pulled some of the wires off of it, and then they slashed his tires, and then he, then he uh, found a note. He got up to preach one night, and there was a note laying in the pulpit. said, if you don't leave this place, we're going to kill you. And uh, he said, he talked to the Lord. He said, now, Lord, what am I going to do? He said, it looks like the devil's going to kill me. <laughs> He said, no, I'm not going to let the devil kill you. He said, he's just going to worry you all of your life. <laughs> he's just going to torment you the rest of your life. But listen, he can't, he can't get our salvation. He said the prince of powerless, not death, nor life, nor angels, nor anything, nor any other creature. He said, if I left anything out, shall separate us from the love of God. Now, it sure is wonderful to be saved, and it's good to know you're saved and know you're secure in Jesus. And it don't make me want to go get drunk. It just makes me enjoy the Lord and enjoy what I've got. So if you recognize that, uh, it, you can enjoy security. And I'll use this illustration that I've used before, but I want to hear it again, so I'm going to tell it. But uh, uh, you remember, of course, in the, uh, the Passover night when, when Israel was, uh, when the plagues, they were in Egypt there, and the Lord said, I'm going to bring one final plague upon Egypt and they'll let you go. And said, I want you to take the lamb, 10th day of the month, keep it up to the 14th day. On the 14th day, I want you to kill it. I want you to take of the blood and sprinkle it on the two side posts, the upper door posts. And he says, when I see the blood, I'll pass over you. And, and uh, uh, you go down there to Egypt. You go in one house. And here's a father with a firstborn son. And he, he explains, he said, Now, son, uh, the man of God told us that this night the firstborn is going to be killed. He said he told us that we'd take that lamb and put that blood up over the doorpost. And maybe he takes the son out and says, Son, look at that blood. He said, Everything's going to be all right. You don't have to worry. You're not going to die. The blood's applied. Uh, and uh, he said, Daddy, I believe you. I believe Moses. I believe God. I believe in the blood. I believe everything's going to be all right. Then I go down the street, and here's another house. And the same conversation is carried on, and he takes his son out and shows him the blood. And the son says, Daddy, I'm worried. You know, I, I believe you've done what, you, what you're supposed to do, and I believe Moses, and I believe all that, but, but I'm concerned. I, I'm afraid. And that death angel comes through. Are you sure that death angel's not? He said, son, you don't have to worry now. 
Everything's going to be all right. The blood's applied. And the question is, which son is safer? And the fact is they're equally safe. One's worried. One's sure. The only thing God's looking for is that blood. And I'll tell you, when it comes time, when the Lord, that trump of God sounds, was talking about in Sunday school, when the Lord comes, there's one thing God's going to be looking for. He's going to be looking for that blood. And if that blood's applied, if you trust in the blood, you're safe, you're secure. So it's not I but Christ to enjoy security. Then, number three, we must recognize it to succeed and have victory. Notice he said in Galatians 2.20, he said, It's not I but Christ liveth in me. The life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. You know, if there's anything about me that a person would, would uh, admire, it's Christ. Anything that you want to admire is me. But Christ is everything. He said, it's not I, but it's Christ that liveth in me. Let's turn to Romans 8, Romans chapter 8 again, Romans 8. And uh, that's uh, page 1201, verse 10 through 13. Romans 8, verse 10 through 13 says, And if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit is life because of righteousness. But of the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you. He that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwelleth in you. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh to live after the flesh. For if you live after the flesh, you shall die. But if you through the spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, you shall live. So these verses tell us that is it indwelling Christ, it's the indwelling spirit of God that changes our life and enables us to be different, to succeed and have victory. I'm convinced the only people that will ever live right are saved people. Now a person can, can go to church and play, play church and play religion and go through the motions without Christ. And that's why you hear people, well, I know this preacher, I know this deacon, and they're, you know, they, they say they're saved and they live like the devil. You know, the problem is they're not saved. Now, if you're saved, you, that mean you never do wrong, that mean you're perfect, but you'll not be the same if you're saved. If you have Christ, it's him that lives in us, Galatians says. It's not I that lives, but it's Christ that lives in me. 2 Corinthians 2.14, Now thanks be unto God, which always causes us to triumph in Christ. 2 Corinthians 5.17, Therefore if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. All things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. We are a new creation of God. And Philippians 1.21 said, For to me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. Philippians 4, 13, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. 1 John 5, 4, For whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world, and this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. And we could go on giving other verses. These are just some. I can do all things through Christ 
which strengtheneth me. You know what the philosophy of the world is? The philosophy of the world is I can do all things. Turn on some of these talk shows. What you have to do is love yourself, they say. You can do anything. Just believe in yourself. The only problem with that, that started back in the Garden of Eden. That's the problem with that. He didn't say I can do all things, and I'm not against self-confidence. But he said, I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me. That's the difference. It's not I, but it's Christ. We must recognize this to succeed and have victory. You want to be victorious in your life? Let Jesus run things. Let him run your life. Let him have control uh, of, uh, of the controls of your life. You remember, you remember maybe when you was growing up? Some of you, some of us are too old to remember that. But if you're, if you're uh, not too old, probably some of, you, some of you younger kids here today, younger adults, you can remember maybe when your daddy uh, set you on his lap there and, and let, you, uh, let you hold of the steering wheel. And boy, you thought, man, am I really doing something? Look, I'm driving. I can remember my kids, you know, and boy, that was a thrill, especially Billy, I think, more so. That was, that was a real thrill. Of course, he, you know, he didn't know I had my hand out the bottom of the steering wheel, you know, just in case, or real close to it. And, but, I, you know, he'd be there, and oh, I'm a driving the car. Look at me. Well, you know, uh, we need to let the Lord have control, don't we? Sometimes you see these signs, God is my co-pilot. He really needs to be the pilot, don't he? <laughs> He's the pilot. We just need to let him have control. We must recognize to succeed and have victory in, in our life. It's Christ. Then finally, it will be our hope at the second coming. Colossians 1.27 says, Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ in you. Colossians 3.4, When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall you also appear with him in glory. You know, preacher, bring, bring, out, the, bring out the records and let's take a look at them. Let's see whose name's there. And, uh, oh, my name, I was a member of Meredith Baptist Church. I, Lord, there it is. Let me on in. The Lord's not going to examine the records of the church. He, he knows who are his. He knows those names are in the Lamb's book of life. If your name's on his book, when the rapture takes place, you'll go. It can be on every, someone says you can be baptized with the tadpoles, know you're so security number. That's not going to get you to heaven. Isn't it so sad, though, that there are good people that are misled, misinstructed, and trying to, trying to go to heaven through the baptistry? Uh, trying to go to heaven by, by good works and all these things. Christ will be our hope at the second coming. It says uh, he is the hope of glory. And in 1 Thessalonians, that glorious scripture on the rapture, the dead in Christ shall rise first. And uh, the dead in Christ, 
uh, not the dead in Muhammad or the dead in Confucius or the dead in anyone else. The dead in Christ shall rise first. And we're going to meet him together. I heard a preacher say one time, says, says well, if, if I go by way of the grave, when the rapture takes place, I'll get to see the Lord first. No problem with that, just don't say that. And, uh, you know, you could probably blame most of the misinformation on preachers. Uh, that's why Paul wrote to Timothy and says, Preach the Word! Preach the Word. Preach the truth. The Bible says, if you examine that scripture, the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. You say, oh, right there it is. <laughs> then we which are alive and remain shall be changed and we'll be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Amen. <laughs> we all meet him at the same time. We're caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. So my loved ones that have died and gone on to heaven, they'll be resurrected, get a glorified body. And it's all going to happen real fast, I believe. Someone said about the time they hit the top of the ground, we'll be changed. <laughs> and we're caught up together with them to meet the Lord in the air. And I don't know how God's going to do it, and I don't know that it'll happen exactly this way, but from what I understand in the scriptures, I think God will gather us with our loved ones. I think my mother and sister and loved ones uh, will be gathered together. Because the Bible talks about in the Old Testament they were gathered unto their people. They were gathered unto their people. And uh, that's going to be great. <laughs> Someone you hadn't seen for 20, 30 years or longer. Sure, it'd be good to see them. Of course, we'll be with the Lord. We'll be caught up. And I say this will happen all, this will happen very quickly. It'll be our hope at the second coming. And I think those that I've been able to lead to the Lord, I think God will have a way of getting us, uh, getting us together. And uh, we'll be caught up. Christ will be our hope at the second coming. If the Lord doesn't come in the rapture first, and they're going to plant this old body in the ground one day. And uh, you know that word coffin is an interesting word in the Old Testament. It means hope chest. <laughs> hope chest. Uh, and thank God we, we, we bury our loved ones with hope of a resurrection. But uh, I know that's going to happen. We're all going to have to go that way. But I believe the Lord will raise us out of that ground. He'll raise that body out of that ground. That'll be our hope. It's Christ. Thank God for Jesus. Let's bow our heads, please.